good moms let you lick the beaters right after they finish making some icing. Great moms, turn them off first. <laughs> Daughter asked her mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? Mom replied, I'd really like a doctor for a son-in-law. Uh, tell me if these questions sound familiar in your house. Mom, where's my sock? Mom, where's my outfit for tomorrow? Mom, can you make me a sandwich? Mom, I don't feel good, what's wrong with me? Dad, where's mom? <laughs> okay, a kid went to his dad and said, Dad, what's a man? Dad said, a man is someone who's responsible and cares for their family. The kid replied, one day, I hope to be a man just like mom. <laughs> one kid said, my dad thinks he wears the pants around the house, but it's my mom who tells him which ones to put on. Some of you can relate with this one. My dad always taught me to share my toys with my siblings. It wasn't to develop social skills or characters because my dad was a cheapskate and didn't want to spend 50% or wanted to cut 50% out of the cost on spending on toys. Uh, here's another one. If you've been to the beach recently, do you want to know why dads are always tired from a day at the beach? It's because they've been exercising all day. Because every time they see somebody in a bikini, they suck in. College girl was asked, what is the most influential book or what book has had the biggest impact on your life? She wrote into the professor, my father's checkbook. That's, that, that's been the book. Today, we are gonna talk about God's design for the family. And I wanna welcome you joining from all of our different locations. So those of you here at 48th Street, those of you in Macomb, Kirksville, 929, Pike County, Hannibal, Lima, Mount Sterling, Keokuk, Monmouth, Jacksonville, and to all of you watching online and inside. I also wanna welcome all of you who are joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time. And I wanna encourage you, please take advantage of that QR code on the seat in front of you. It'll give you a great opportunity for you to connect with us on a deeper level. My hope today is that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, that you would leave knowing that this church loves you and that you can have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Next week, I have a very special sermon for you, a sermon that I believe will be a gift to every relationship that you value. So I can't encourage you enough. Make sure you come back next week if you wanna bring a friend. I believe it will be life-giving to them. But today, I wanna to talk to you about God's design for the family. And there are some of you who you think your days of parenting are over. And there are others of you who are going, I thought my days of parenting would be over. You're either raising grandkids or you have kids that will not leave the house. There are some of you listening to me right now and you're not married yet. I want you to hear me clearly. Lean in extra hard. You might be thinking this sermon is not for you, but I promise this message might be one of the most important messages you hear, even if you're in high school. Because one day, you are gonna have to navigate all of these waters and these principles will help you navigate them. Others of you are gonna hear this sermon and you're gonna be going, nope. Your ears are full of lots of pain. Your family is so jacked up, so dysfunctional that hearing this message feels more like salt in the wound than healing balm. I want you to know my family's jacked up too. However, I believe that if you stay through this, there are principles that will act as seeds of hope 
for all of you, regardless of your situation, even for stepdads and stepmoms. For those of you who are navigating divorces or are divorced, those of you who are in split up families and families that have been blown to pieces. For those of you who don't know, I am a stepdad and I have had to learn how to navigate some of these principles and navigate some of these waters and I can tell you that these biblical principles are trustworthy and you can build your life on them. And if you are here today and your family is not turning out the way you thought, and it's not turning out the way you had hoped, and perhaps your marriage and having kids was a lot harder than you anticipated, I want you to know you're in really good company. Because if you were to read the Bible from cover to cover, you know what you would have a hard time finding? A good family to model your family after. Most of the stories in the Bible that go into deep detail end up being incredibly messed up. In fact, oftentimes, what scripture reveals to us about the families of Bible are more cautionary tales about what not to do than lessons of what to do. Maybe raising a godly family is one of the hardest things you could ever try to accomplish. And part of the reason it's incredibly hard to have a great God-honoring family is because your family has an enemy. I'm gonna keep drilling this verse into the heart and soul of this church because I want you to remember it, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, your marriage has an enemy. Your parenting has an enemy. Your kids have an enemy. So everything that God wants to do for you and in you, in your family, Satan is trying to tear down. He's trying to steal. He's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy. Furthermore, there are very few things on planet Earth more powerful than a family. I'm willing to wager that if I were to ask you your source of your biggest pain, your biggest heartbreak, your greatest sorrow, chances are it has something to do with your family. Most people are not going to therapists because the coworkers were mean and they had a bad boss. It's because something happened in their family, a place that was supposed to protect them and care for them and nurture them and love them somehow blew them apart. And so you have these deep family wounds that you're trying to navigate. And if Satan can undermine God's plan for the family, he can do indescribable harm to the greater world. But God has a design for the family. His intentions are incredibly clear in Scripture. Genesis chapter 2. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. 
That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And it is out of this oneness relationship between a husband and a wife that children would be brought into the world. So not only is it God's design for after the oneness relationship that the children are brought into the world, but it was also God's design for every child to have a mother and a father. Fathers and mothers have unique expressions of God's identity to bring to bear in the nurturing and the development of a child. They have different gifts, different skill sets, different ways of approaching situations. And in that tandem leadership, they're able to bring to bear a fuller picture of God's design into that child's life. This is part of the reason why we mourn so deeply the early passing of a father or a mother, because something is robbed from that child's life. That's why there's so much pain for kids who are navigating the pain of divorce. Now hear me today. Please, please hear me. This weekend, I'm going to be talking to over 10,000 people all across this region. And I need you to know that I am fully aware that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of divorces represented in our church family. I want you to know that I do not know the specifics of your particular situation. You may have had really good reasons. You may have had incredible difficulties. You may have had challenges that I can't even begin to understand. And I want you to hear me say, I am not saying that God can't use or redeem the things that have been lost or broken on your child's behalf. I just want us all to see God's design and the impacts of what happens when that design is changed. I'm not here to shame, I'm here to help, okay? But God's design doesn't just have a design, God has an order. And our first uh, priority is supposed to be God. We are to be God first people. So God has a design for the family, but he also has an order of how that family is to operate. And the first order, the first priority is supposed to be God. Look what it says in Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, your number one priority as a human being is to be a person who is exclusively seeking the will of God and the expansion of his kingdom. I need you to hear me say this. You can fully live out your calling from God right there. You do not have to get married to be a great Christian. You are not going to get to heaven. And St. Peter's going to be standing there. So did you get married? Okay, well, you'll be in the warmer section of heaven. I mean, it's still heaven. No. I need you to hear me say this. You can be everything that God created you to be as a single person. Marriage is not an upgrade. Like you didn't become a more spiritual person once you found somebody who'd put up with you. And some of you thought you found somebody who would put up with you. I'm like, I don't think I did. I think I was wrong. Okay? So we are okay with me making divorce jokes? All right, I just want to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Hear me. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, 
guess what? Single. Not only that, in scripture he says, I gotta be honest with you. I wish more of you would choose to be single so you wouldn't have to spend so much time fighting with your wife, taking care of your kids, and you could fully devote yourself to making Jesus famous. Second thing, I mean, this guy's a pretty big character in the Bible uh, who was single. Um, I wanna make sure I say his name right, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Never got married, not once. He was just so busy being him and saving your soul. He's like, I'm not gonna bring a woman into this. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. So hear me, if Jesus can fulfill all of God's calling on his life, and Paul can fully honor God with his life, it is totally acceptable for you to go, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna be completely single and devoted to the Lord, okay? Now there are some of you who are going, nope. I need someone to do my laundry. And you are gonna go, I need to get a spouse. Hear me. Uh, your first priority is to be to God. But if you get married, your second priority becomes your spouse. It becomes your second most important relationship. And that is why you need to be so careful and so selective when it comes to who you marry. And then out of this marriage comes your children, and they take third place. Look what Psalm 27, 127 says. Children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from him. And some of you are going, can I return the gift? <laughs> right? <laughs> or some of you are like, I like the gift that somebody else has. I like the new model that they're coming out with. I want one of those. Yeah, I, I, hear, I hear you. Uh, I just want you to know this. Every marriage has problems and every kid has challenges. We all have to deal with the sinful impacts of, that's in our hearts and in the hearts of those we loved. And it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. You can still have areas of your life that are all out of whack. It doesn't matter how much you love Jesus and how spiritual you are. You still have to deal with the fact that your kids have free will. I want you to hear me say this. I tell our staff this all the time. Uh, I go, look, your kids are not on staff at this church. They're just not. Your kids are just kids who attend this church. And if you try to hold your kids to a higher standard because they're pastor's kids, you're gonna blow them up. Because your kids are gonna fart in the middle of a prayer just like every other kid is. And your kids are gonna have a bad day and they're gonna have a bad attitude just like every other kid. And so let your kid be a kid who we're trying to reach in this church instead of an associate pastor. They're not paid to be here. In fact, they're here enough times, we might as well pay them. But functionally, you can mess up a kid if you start holding them to a higher standard instead of letting your kid go through the growing pains of discovering a faith for themselves. Our kids deserve just as much grace and love as every other kid who attends this church. Now, do I wanna know every time my kid screws up, you better believe it. But I don't want there to be like one form of punishment because they're a pastor's kid and a different form of punishment if they're not. Some kids are just better behaved in public than others. And some kids are nightmares when nobody's looking. And I just gotta be honest with you, I would rather have my kids rebel early 
and often and in my home and get it all the way out of their system than fake it until they're out of my house and then have to deal with those ramifications. So in God's design, we see this, that our first priority is to be God, our second priority if we choose to get married is our spouse, and our third priority is our kids. The problem is, sometimes we get this out of order, and sometimes it looks like this. You know why that's a problem? Well, one, when you do this, you could end up with the wrong spouse because you're prioritizing them over God. I gotta be in this, you've seen this before, somebody has a great relationship with the Lord and then they get eyes for somebody who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. And then they violate God's principles for who they're supposed to marry to enter into a relationship with somebody that they like. And so they start worshiping this person, this person gets in the number one spot. They haven't left the faith, but then all of a sudden they're married to somebody who has two different priorities two different ways of viewing the world, two different ways of living their life. And when you do this, things get out of whack, things get out of whack fast. That's why the Bible tells us, be careful about being unequally yoked. He's saying, make sure you marry somebody who has the same priority list as you do. Now, listen to me, uh, when you do this, Check out what happens. You're putting God in a position of redeeming what's been broken inside of your marriage instead of blessing what's been surrendered in your marriage. Now listen, God, hear me, hear me, hear me. God's redemptive power is super stinking strong, but it is not better than his blessing. And if you wanna give your family a favor, put your family in a position that God blesses instead of God having to redeem. The second reason why this is a problem is your spouse makes a lousy God. They will let you worship them because everybody likes to be worshiped. But ultimately, your spouse becomes a very lousy God and when you put them in that spot, you're putting them in a position to fail. And then you get mad at them because they can't provide the things that you need them to provide, but they were never equipped to provide you the things that you ultimately needed because they are not a God. But the issue I see the most the issue I see people struggling with the most is actually this order. Now remember, I love you. Um, so the Bible calls any order that doesn't have God first, it has a really cool word for it. The word is idolatry. In fact, the very first commandment of the 10 commandments, for those of you who wanna go old school, is you shall have no other gods before me. God is saying, I am always in the number one spot. And if you violate that order, you end up worshiping your kids. And God does not tolerate it, nor does God bless it. Furthermore, when God is not first in your life, you cannot be the spouse you wanna be, the spouse you need to be, or the spouse that God created you to be. Furthermore, when God is not first and you put your kids first or you put your spouse first, you cannot be the parent you need to be, the parent they need you to be, or the parent that God called you to be. 
And you have effectively shut off the flow of God's blessing into the lives of those you care about the most in that area. When your kids are before your spouse, it creates resentment in your spouse. And perhaps just because, you know, I want to make sure I get everybody good and frustrated. When you put your grandkids above your spouse, uh uh-oh. Now, here's what happens. Anytime God is not in the number one spot, what you end up doing, and I don't know if Becky Drish from our Hannibal campus coined this phrase or if somebody, I don't know who did it, but this is brilliant. Uh, This is what happens. Credit card parenting. This is what credit card parenting is. When you put off dealing with things and being lazy in your parenting and having the right priorities, and then you end up having to pay it all back later with interest. Is there an area right now of your parenting, of your marriage, that you're going, I am paying interest. I made minimum payments for years. And now the bill has come due. When kids are in the first spot, all you can do is credit card parent. We end up spending more money than we should on our kids and put ourselves in troubling situations financially. One of the biggest issues inside of marriage is how to have it navigate your money. This leads to divorce in, uh, in many circumstances or that financial instability eventually makes it hard for our kids to have security and it increases anxiety in them. We end up spending so much to put on them and around them that we fail to make sure that we prioritize what we put in them. Proverbs 13, says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. We've become so used to taking them through the aisle and getting them everything that they want because buying it is cheaper than saying no. And then we spend ourselves into a position or we're so busy with our schedule that we have made our kids into an idol that we cannot actually afford to worship anymore. And then eventually it all catches up to us. Because it's not just in how we spend our money, it's how we spend our time. We can become so busy worshiping our kids that we neglect our spouse or our relationship with God. And this robs us of a godly relationship with their parent. And it robs us of the real spiritual power that we are gonna need to navigate the challenges of trying to be a good, godly family. So many of us are so busy worshiping somebody other than God that we don't have the power of God in our lives to navigate all the challenges that come our way. That's why the very first week of this sermon series, I talked to you guys about having a vision for your family. What kind of kids do you want to raise? Proverbs 22 verse six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it, which leads to this issue. We need to be training towards our vision, but more importantly, towards God's vision. Here's what I mean by that. What kind of spouse are you training your child to become? Have you thought about that? That you are training a potential future spouse for somebody. Ladies, what are all the things that your son does that you can't stand? Would you like to pass that blessing on to an unsuspecting lady? Or would you like to go, oh, you're in spouse training mode today. We're going to learn how to fold socks. Okay? What kind of worker are you training your child to be so that they can be a stable provider for their family? Is your strategy no work ethic 
no responsibility till 28. Then give them a girlfriend, a wife, and four kids and go figure it out. Or should we be training them? I need you to hear me say this because it is not what you leave to them that makes your child great. It is what you leave in them. If what you leave to them is more than what you leave in them, they will burn through all that you leave to them. But if you leave so much in them, it won't matter what you leave to them because they will have all the tools to make their own way. So what kind of relationship with God do you want your kids to have and are you training them there? Make no mistakes. Every single one of us, we are already training our kids. The question is, are we training them to be who God created them and called them to be? Because there is a universal parenting relationship principle. More is caught than taught. Your kids are learning how to treat a spouse because they are watching how you treat yours. They are learning what you prioritize and what you neglect. You don't have to tell them they know. They know if your phone is more important than them. They know if your Netflix is more important than them. They know if your job is more important than them. They know if you cherish your spouse or resent your spouse. When you're in the car, they're learning how to treat them. Is it okay to talk bad about dad when you're driving through McDonald's? Or when you speak about dad, do you speak in uplifting, kind, encouraging, thankful tones? When you don't like the way things are shaking out in the house, how you speak about their mother matters. When you're divorced, I bet it's so easy to get in the car because your ex stinks and you just want them to know how bad their dad is. And you forget it is their dad. And then this kid is having to choose between two people that he can't help but love, but they no longer love and value and treat one another. There's a challenge that we're gonna ask you all to do. It's at all of our locations. It's a calendar challenge where you're gonna sit down with your kids and you're gonna work through where are our priorities? Where's God, where's our spouse, and where's our kids? One of the biggest gifts you can give your kids is a loving, prioritized relationship with their parent. Like, shut up, I'm kissing your mom for a little bit. Letting them, they can say ooh all they want. I want them to know that dad loves mom. Hey, hold on a second. I'm just going to spend five minutes talking to your mom. Go do push-ups or something. (laughs) And while they get frustrated, why are you? Because I want them to know dad loves mom. When my kids go to bed at night, I want them knowing mom loves dad. But I also want them to know that dad loves God. We are already training our kids what's important. And the chance of your kid becoming a professional dancer or a professional trumpeter or a professional baseball player are like. But the chance of your kid being a father, a mother, needing a relationship with Jesus 
is really stinking high. And if we were to go, I am going to start valuing these bigger things. I love playing baseball with my kids, but I'd much rather my kid be a great dad than a great pitcher. I love watching my kids play basketball. I'm a horrible basketball coach. We lost like all of our games but one. And you know what? Okay, chances are my kid being a professional basketball player, zero. Chance of my kids not having the life of singleness, very high. Judging by the way their behavior, they are ready to be married already. And I need to train them. Can I, can I take you on a quick journey? So I got convicted recently in my own parenting um, because there are two issues. Um, I love my kids, um, but you don't. But I was navigating how to be proud of them. I'm commanded by God to love my kids. When we talk about God's love, it's unconditional, but pride is conditional. And I was realizing there was times I was using the word I was proud of them when I really wasn't. And then I diluted the power of that word because uh, you have to do something to be proud. Now, you don't have to win the basketball game, but I can be proud of your effort. I'm proud of something. And my wife gets frustrated because she doesn't like the way everybody in my house cleans up the house. Uh, And then when we start to help clean up the house, my wife is also a control freak. And she will say, just stop, just stop, just stop. Like, we'll be halfway through loading the dishwasher. I'll just do it myself. It's just better. And so, like, there's this constant fight. My wife wants our house to be cleaner. She wants us to help out. And every time we help out, she just wants us to stop so she can do it right. You guys, like, are you guys normal too? And so, my wife went away on a, uh, on a little girl's trip. And so, I was like, okay. How do I train my boys to not be loser dads? I'm like, okay, it starts tonight. Game on. Boys, come here. I have an assignment for you. We are going to learn how to clean a house right now. It's a very special mission. This mission has one goal in mind. Make mom smile. Do you like it when mom smiles? Doesn't she have a great smile? You don't want to make her not smile, do you? Do you want to fail your mother on what matters most? <laughs> I bring you here today because we have a nation to conquer. Okay, this, this is, I kid you not, it's, it's more involved than that. Okay, I'm a psycho. And I said, so before we go to bed, we are picking out our clothes the night before. We are getting our towel and we are laying it out. We are getting our washcloth and we are laying it out because we're going to be clean hensels. And before we go to bed at night, we're going to walk through the house. We're going to make sure that everything's the way it's supposed to be. I'm like, okay. You have three minutes. <laughs> they did it. And they got a pretty decent job. And I look at them and I go, I'm so proud of you. And the beam on their face was like, yeah, I know how to clean a house. <laughs> now, mom comes home. I go, mom, Watch. Boys, are you ready for the test? So here's what I do at night. I set out a fork. I go over to the kitchen table and I pull out some chairs. I grab some random thing out of the pantry and I leave it on the counter. I take a couple blankets and I mess them up around the house. And I go, boys, I'm seeing seven things. And the test begins now. And mom's sitting there and the boys start going around looking. Okay, this is how a chair goes back in. Now you guys are laughing. 
But you go home and ask your kids to clean up and see what happens. And all of a sudden, now, it's not anywhere close to the way my wife would like it done. But now my wife is doing the last 5%, not the first 95%. My wife is now able to more fully engage in conversations in our house because she's not frustrated all night long because she has to keep cleaning after three chunky boys. <laughs> and deep in my heart, my goal is that I am raising boys that will cherish the needs of their wife. I was fine with the way the house was. It doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm not that dirty, but I'm just dirtier than her. But I want them to look at their wife and go, what, her standards matter to me. And I want to be able to look at my boys with integrity and say, I'm proud of you. We are training our kids. Now, I have really good news for you. I told you at the beginning that your marriage and your parenting has an enemy. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I want you to also know we have a tremendous ally who has come to give us life and life to the full. And so while he is trying to steal things and kill things and destroy things, Jesus is trying to come into your life and bring a full life, an abundant life if you follow his plan. And part of his plan is having him first, your spouse second, your kids third. But it goes so much deeper than that. And I want to show you what it looks like in one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. This is what it looks like when Jesus is your ally and you put things in the right order. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You have an ally. And while Satan wants to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus is saying, but I have a life for you, a life that is good and fulfilling for your family. He's saying, train them in the way they should go so when they are older, they will not stray from it. Now, can I just walk you through the highlight reel? How many of you want your kids to grow up with the Lord as their shepherd? And if they are, they're not gonna lack nothing. How many of you wanna raise your kids in the green pastures of God and you want your family to be able to sit beside these quiet waters how many of you want your kids to know and your marriage to know that God refreshes their soul and will nurture and take care of them, that he will guide them along the right paths? Keep going. How many of you wanna know that when you walk through the darkest valley, when the storms actually hit your marriage, when the tough times actually come in your parenting, that you have an ally that even in the darkest of valleys, you have nothing to fear? When they go out and they're on their own, that they have nothing to fear because they have a promise that has rung true for the ages that he is with them, that he will comfort them, that you would live in a state where your cup is overflowing, you are filled with joy, and that ultimately, in the wake of your life, goodness and love would follow you, follow your marriage, follow your parenting, follow your kids, follow your grandkids, and eventually, that your family tree would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is what it looks like to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
And you cannot be the person that God created you to be. You cannot be the spouse that you want to be. You cannot be the parent that you want to be. And you cannot raise the kids that you want to raise if he is not the center of your life, if you do not have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So please don't put it off. We're moving to a time of decision. If you are here today and you haven't started an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what I just read is the Cliff Notes version of what that looks like. I want you to hear me say it. You can start that relationship today. If you were to read through the pages of Scripture, what you'd find out is that to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a couple things you got to get right. Uh, one, you got to realize that there's a God and that you're not Him. You got to realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins to pay a price that you couldn't pay. You got to repent of you living life on your own terms indefinitely and never actually saying, you know what, I want you to be in control. You created me, you made me, you have a plan and purpose for my life. And then the Bible, almost every time, talks about people who come to this realization, become obedient in the area of baptism. And that when you become obedient in the area of baptism, in that baptism, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, where God stops working on you and he starts working in you. He takes up residence in you. Can I be incredibly practical for a second? This past month, don't raise your hand, please don't raise your hand. Did you have a fight with your spouse or your kid? If you did, just keep breathing. If you didn't, just hold your breath. In that moment, were you being guided by the Holy Spirit? Or were you being guided by your emotions? Were the words coming out of your mouth the healing words of Jesus or the hurt of a soured heart? The Holy Spirit takes up residence and he bears fruit in us that in all of these situations we can, oh, we're still gonna struggle with sin, but we have power to overcome. So you, you see the highlight reel of Clayton Hensel. And I try to let you know that I'm a bit of a turd, um, but it's worse than, it, than I let on. And I would say one of my biggest aches is there have been so many times in my marriage, in my relationships, and even in my parenting where I have not given them a spirit-filled father. I have not given my wife a spirit-filled husband. I have not given my friends a spirit-filled friend. And you don't even have that option until you're in a right relationship with Jesus. And so if you have questions about what that is or what that looks like, I wanna encourage you in just a few moments, the people around you are gonna stand and start singing. I'm gonna encourage you to go over to the step or over by the baptistry and there's somebody there who would love an opportunity to talk with you. To the rest of you in the room, I want you to hear me say this. We need help in this area. We need to do better 
in this area. The people that God has placed in our lives, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a kid, whether it's friends, they deserve a spirit-filled presence. They deserve a spirit-filled you. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Make sure that you are reorienting your priority list into God's priority list. Husbands, right now, gut check, is God first in your life? Is he a priority? If not, what needs to change? After that, is your spouse a priority? What needs to change? And then how does that impact your kids? Wives, same thing. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If you want to, if you care about your marriage, or if you're navigating the throes of a divorce, or you've been divorced and you can't stand the person you used to be married to, I'm gonna ask you to come up, get down on your knees, and pray for them. Clayton, that's my enemy. Check this out. Jesus says, pray for your enemies. But they're, they're making my life horrible. Pray for those who persecute you. You're going, but I can't pray that prayer. Well, good news. You don't have to pray that prayer by yourself. He will empower you to pray that prayer. God, I don't know how I'm gonna get in the car with my kids and because of what my ex-husband keeps doing. Holy Spirit, I need your help to honor their father even though I can't stand him. Pray for your kids. Pray for kids' marriage. Pray for your grandkids' marriage. Leave a spiritual inheritance at the steps this weekend. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, thanks so much for today. Thanks for the time we've been able to spend together. And I pray that you would use these next few moments to get our lives on the right track, to put us pointed in the right direction, and then give us the power to live it out. In your name I pray, amen.